Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner here. I'm here with Eldra. Uh, I followed Eldra for quite some time. Uh, it's Crucial Cookies on Instagram. Uh, just an amazing cook. And lo and behold, he contacted me. He's in massage school, had some questions, wanted to talk to me, so I thought I'd just record it in podcast form. But Eldra, can you tell everybody a little bit about you, um, about your cooking, and then also like how you got into massage? Definitely. So um, for the past 10 plus years, I've been a chef, um, been kind of bouncing around from Houston to Florida, just kind of cooking my way through the food. Um, and I just been passionate about that since I was a little kid. I always wanted to learn how to cook. Um, but as far as uh, massage, uh, my wife was having some lower back pains due to childbirth. And she was asking me, could I give her a massage at night before bed? And I started doing that for her. It seemed to bring her some relief. And so I just want to kind of dive a little bit deeper. And so I started watching videos on YouTube and I came across a health and wellness channel that uh, Robert happened to be on. He was doing a massage. I think it was a back massage. And um, I followed him right after that because I, I I just liked his whole vibe and how thorough he was being. And um, I just thought it was real cool. And I just started kind of paying attention to what he was doing. And, you know, some years down the line, I decided I was going to go ahead and pursue massage therapy as, as a career path and i'm in an in, in internship now got two weeks left and and i'm about to get ready to rock rock and roll cool how did you find massage school overall um it's been challenging it it it's not exactly what i expected it's 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 very detailed um there's a lot of uh medical terminology um a lot dealing with different parts of the body um, how your body reacts to massage and touch and dealing with people. Um, so it's been a, a, a good learning experience for me. Yeah, it's a, it's been 20 years since I've been in massage school if I'm dating myself. But <laughs> it's uh, amazing to talk to people who are either in school or just got out and like some mm -hmm. of the similarities and differences in the last 20 or so years. Mm -hmm. um, so you, I think if you, if I remember correctly, you said you have like a project at school and you had to interview somebody in the industry, correct? Yes, sir. And then yeah. is it just part of like a business class? Yeah. So, so for the internship portion of the course, we're also taking a, a business class and the project is the majority of our grade outside of our massage hours. And so you know, they want us to do the financial aspects of it, kind of like the, di the dynamics of your customer base, um, you know, what the layout of a potential uh, spot would be for you if you opened up your own business. And then he wanted us to reach out to three uh, industry professionals just to see what their experiences have been uh, as massage therapists and as business owners. Yeah. Yeah. And this, to me, is one of the things I always tell people even before they go to massage school. They say, well, I, I think I might want to be a massage therapist. And I'm like, get online, look up massage therapists in your area, invite yeah. them to coffee and say, hey, I need, to, I need for you to school me in 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. I want to go to school for massage. What should I expect? For sure. And you're going to get three different, like, different like, setups. Does it make sense? Because mm -hmm. everybody's experience is different. Yeah, it's like you—you've worked in kitchens. I, I wouldn't want to say a chef, but I, I'm a cook as well. But mm -hmm. I, I hold to the title of cook because I respect chefs and the schooling that they go through. Yeah, and if you want to find out what it's like to be a chef, go talk to a chef for sure. Because it's sure. like the, the school has a vested interest in getting you in school and get, you know getting you through curriculum, but the right. chef is going to tell you what it's like working the line. He's going to tell you what it's world. like at the yeah. nice restaurant. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I agree with that. So, uh, so what do you got for me? Um, so I have a, a 10 questions listed, but I, I'll probably ask you a couple more just in conversation because, because I think you're, you're, you're a cool cat. Um, but my first question is, uh, where, where are you, where are you from? Like where, where'd you come from originally? Originally, I grew up just outside of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in a little town called Baker. Okay. Uh, it's kind of like suburbs of Baton Rouge, um, but that's where I grew up. I spent the first ooh, 22, 23 years of my life in Louisiana, okay. and then uh, moved away for a year to Pennsylvania, where I went to school, moved back to Louisiana, 
And then, oh man, it was a year after Hurricane Katrina. I can't remember exactly what year that was that I moved to Austin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you've been in Austin since? Yeah. A year after Katrina. I can't remember what year that was, but uh, I moved a year after from Baton Rouge. Um, and I've lived in Austin ever since. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know why I thought you were in Dallas. I don't know why I thought well, that. In, in Texas time, it's not, you know, <laughs> like Austinites don't want to confuse themselves with Houston or Dallas, but if you're in central yeah. Texas, it's not that, yeah. it's just a hip and, skip and a jump, you know? Right on, right on. So Louisiana. Um, did you coming up in Louisiana have any effect on your decision to uh, practice massage? Hmm. Uh, not specifically. Uh, the The main reason I got into massage was I was a philosophy student in school. I tell people I was thinking a lot of deep thoughts about unemployment. And what yeah. happened was uh, after Jazz Fest one year, I was uh, hit by a drunk driver on the way back into Baton Rouge. So oh, wow. the car was a, a rear collision. I was in the back driver's side closest to where the car smashed into us. The car went off the road into some trees, so it was like a, a rear and front collision. Um, mm -hmm. I had a horrible whiplash and essentially just soft tissue damage. Um, if you took a um, X-ray of me now, I probably have like a reversed cervical curve, like overstretched ligaments in my neck. A doctor told mm -hmm. me I was going to be likely prone to arthritis as I age uh, through that area. But mm -hmm. the soft tissue injuries were so bad, I was in so much pain that I was talking to the doctors and going, hey, can, can I have pain medication? And they're like, no, you'll get addicted to it. And I'm like, okay, so wh how are we going to get this to go away? And they're like. Was the pain that severe? Yes. I, I dropped out of college. It was bad. Yeah. Wow. And what I learned about pain management in the United States is that if you're broke, there is none. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a reason there's an Oxycontin epidemic. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so, so how long did it take you to recover from that injury? Or are you still dealing with it today? So I still deal with it um, in the sense that, you know, for years I was using massage and yoga and time massage to sort of like put a Band-Aid on it. Mm -hmm. And... I could use it to moderate my, my pain levels. So in other words, if I was having anxiety or I was in pain, I could do yoga and it would decrease. And mm -hmm. I would do massage and it would decrease a bit more. And if you did it repeatedly, you generally had a, a more sustainable quality of life. After that, you kind of, I kind of plateaued at like a three. Mm -hmm. 10's hospital, zero's no pain, it was kind of at a three, on, on like a daily basis, for years, by the way. Uh, the mm -hmm. last thing was carnivore diet. Uh, once I changed my diet to almost completely carnivore, living off of meat and fat, my mm -hmm. inflammation levels just dropped to almost zero. Um, after about six weeks, I was literally in shock that like my joints just didn't hurt the same way. So mm -hmm. I would think that my strength and mobility for a 45-year-old is actually pretty robust. Um, and... For better or worse, I took a bunch of broken eggs and made an omelet because I became very good at relating to connecting with people in chronic pain and helping them with mm -hmm. musculoskeletal issues. Especially since you, you had to experience it yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. Very much. Okay. Okay. Um, at what point in your life did you seriously start thinking about being a, a business owner? When I went to massage school, um, and again, I have to date myself. So I got out of massage school in 2002. So people have some context. Um, like in your school, for instance, did they recommend that you use YouTube as a resource? I think, I think he did initially, like first week, you know, yeah. just so we can kind of get familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So... YouTube didn't come around till four years after I finished massage school, 2006. So I came of age in like a different era of massage education and, and schooling. Um, <clears throat> wait, go back to the original question. I got sidetracked. 
Oh, I said, uh, at what point in your life did you seriously start thinking about being a business owner? Oh, okay. So when I went to school, it was like, okay, like my, here was my thinking. Like I was a cook and I altered my diet in various ways, trying to make myself feel better. And then I discovered massage because a young lady I was working with at a health food store in Louisiana gave me a massage. She was in massage school and it, I got literally like a little nauseous almost, but my muscles felt like slack for the first time. Like I'd been just chronically like tight for a long time. Mm-hmm. And my thought was I can't afford 60 or $80 for a massage. But if I went to massage school, yeah. Then I could trade and I could learn more about the body and maybe I could find what would help me. Okay. So I went to massage school and applied all of that philosophical free thinking to this discipline and essentially over time just broke it. Like it it just started to break apart like, you know, you're you're a cook or you didn't go to chef school, right? I did. I did. You I did? I yeah. Yeah. So so do you use the title chef? I didn't for a long time because the first school I went to, I just didn't feel like they were teaching me enough. So I actually just came home. I dropped out and I came home and I just started cooking. Oh, okay. And uh, and then I just kind of picked up a couple of gigs here and there. So I got gained experience that way. So I didn't really want to claim the title of chef. I was like, I'm not a chef. I'm a cook. I used to say that for the longest, you know, yeah. but, but you know. Well, I, and I make the distinction because I, I, I salute the people who can do the work that I can't because that high intensity environment, I was like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. If I could do this massage thing, I could work yeah. on one person in a mm-hmm. quiet, calm, air conditioned room. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, let's let's try this. So yeah, yeah. I took all that free thinking and applied it to this discipline. Mm-hmm. And that's where things started to shift. What happened for me was I kept getting fired or it not working out at some facility. Like I worked in spas, I worked in chiropractors' offices, uh, which was possible in Texas, not in Louisiana at the time. Mm-hmm. And what happened was I kept having this recurring thing where, just like with, with your business, were you going to a certain facility to prepare food and like sell it? Or were you like working in a food truck or what was coming out? Um, so when I first started the cookie business, it was just home based. It was actually out of my mom's house when I first started in 2014. So that's just how I've been running it. You yeah. know, every now and again, somebody will get a catering job and I'll, I run it out of the house. But yeah. Besides that. Yeah. Yeah. So I kept doing this thing where the facilities I worked at, especially because of my time massage leanings, I knew I could do more. It would just be like you working in a, in a kitchen where they wouldn't allow you to expand on plantains. They wouldn't allow you to like start using curry. They were like restricting, like, no, we only teach, you know, cla- we're only doing flat classical French cuisine. Yeah. We're not, taking, we're not doing classical French cuisine with like a Caribbean influence with an African yeah. influence, you know? So I was getting frustrated because I was like, man, like a plumber, uh, a plumber came in at one point at the house I owned and the plumber, there was a problem with the hot water heater and when I bought a hot water heater and put in the hot water heater and it's like, I couldn't solder and you know, the last mm-hmm. couple touches and he came in and he spent like 30 minutes or an hour and he like, that, that'll be $800. Oh, something, something absurd, right? Yeah. It was, a, it was a lot, $300, whatever it was. It was more than I wanted to pay. But anyway, I just kept looking at that and going, if he works for himself, after his taxes and everything, like he provides a service that I need, he charges accordingly, it's manual labor. It's not really that different than what I do. And I work on people's bodies. Like I put mm-hmm. my hands on them. Like, you know, it's very physically intimate. So mm-hmm. I just kept wondering, why aren't more massage therapists working for themselves? So mm-hmm. I took it upon myself to go, okay, that's what I want to do, but how do I do that? And it was like, you need a website. I don't get a website. You had to talk to people, like literally Facebook with friends. Like, does anybody make websites? Like, try to find somebody who maybe knew enough to make a website, kind of got a website. Now I'm on my yeah. third or fourth iteration of a website. You know, we kept expanding and building. It was like, okay, mm-hmm. at that time, you need to use Facebook. And I'm like, so I need to, like a Facebook business page? 
and I got new people to like it. And granted, this yeah. was you know years ago, right? Like Facebook is kind of a, almost a different platform slightly than it was then. But then it was like I remember the first time my then wife said, "You need to be on Twitter," and I lost it. I was like, <laughs> "I got a tweet now." I like tweet. Why would anybody on earth tweet? Yeah, I, I don't even understand because I was not social media savvy at that time. Yeah. So essentially, what happened was we started in layers and it was just like me as a kid uh learning to cook i remember i knew how to operate the stove we had a pan my mom had some butter we had some eggs and i remember uh it's like man the eggs would be good you know i was hungry as a kid I was scrambled eggs would be good but like, i need some onion but we didn't have onions we had green onions we had the scallions that were in the fridge and i remember yeah. as a kid taking those scallions and like cutting those scallions and it was like ooh, this is gourmet yeah to me, to me as a kid that was my first memory of cooking that's cool. The thing is, when you when you learn how to use those base elements to start experimenting, I kept expanding, particularly to a mat-based practice. And a mat-based practice that was closed on had very different parameters, but every facility I worked for was like, nope, nope, this isn't massage, nope, this isn't what our customers want. And I'm like, dude, your customers don't know what they want. Yeah. Your customers just want what you were trained in school in this little box, and it never changes, and it's massage, massage, massage. And it's like, but, but, but if I could deliver a better service for pain management, I could be like that plumber. I could make more money. And what happened was we had a, a rental. We had a home in Round Rock. I looked up like local ordinances and it was just like, it might as well have said, don't sell, don't have a drive through out of your house and <laughs> don't piss off your neighbors. It might as well have said that. So I'm like, okay, we had a spare garage that was carpeted. And that became my studio. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't posh. But I started along with the website and video production and YouTube and, and whatever to like skewer time massage. There was no massage on my menu of services. There was no table. There was no cream. There was no glide. There was no nudity. And massage therapists around me were like, I don't understand. Like, it's, it's like you're not really selling, you know, massage. The difference was I was skewering that keyword so people like people who were coming in from out of state were coming to see me because mm -hmm. they were in town in Austin for a week for a business thing from San Diego. They'd had time massage in San Diego. They wanted to get it while they were here. So over time, what happened was I was working at a chiropractor's office and I had doubled up working in private practice in my okay. home. Okay. And over time, as this continued to grow, I started to teach and then I needed infrastructure for teaching and workbooks and DVDs and video production and all this other stuff. So I held on to both of these jobs until I could no longer afford to stay at the chiropractor's office. That was what really happened. And ever since then, I've been a huge proponent of massage therapists having their own businesses. That, that, that's dope. That's dope. Is that, that's, you're the first person that I ever heard about Thai massage through. Like, I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, I didn't even know until I started following you, and then I noticed that you were doing classes for it, and I was like, wow, okay, this is something else. Like, with all the stretching and everything like that. Yeah. Like, it is, it is different, but it's something that people definitely need, you know? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, therapists are taught in a certain way in school. I can guarantee you right now, if therapists came in and got a session with me, 90% of them freak out. Hmm. They're like, dude, I don't understand. This is... Dude, this shit is amazing, but this is not this is not what I was taught in school. And I go, oh yeah, well this is continuing education. We just expand on that thing. But yeah. I think it's a lot like food. Like one of the things that caught me with your food is like one, you seem to have a grasp of savory and sweet. You could do desserts just as well as you could do tacos or whatever else. And then also like the Caribbean influence. There's sometimes mm -hmm. a cuisine like if somebody grows up and they eat Italian food. They have a harder time breaking sometimes into like Indian or different kinds of cuisine. I was always very, um, I don't know, like I was the guy who I would go to an Indian restaurant into their buffet and I'm like, I tried chana masala for the first time and I would literally take, take a photo or write it down and then go home yeah. and look up a recipe. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I had no idea what was in it. Yeah. Garam, garam masala? What's garam masala? But once yeah. you had the, the tools you could start to mix them in different ways. So I would do like Southern cuisine, but I would use a little bit more like French technique. Mm -hmm. 
or something I had picked up, and then people were like, the food is it's slightly different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that I think that's so important because um a lot of people even when they do get out, jump out there and to do something different, they're still kind of staying in that box. And you and you have to make yourself unique, you know, in a way. Because yeah, you know, we're all massage therapists or so we're all chefs, but everybody has their own style, you know. I'm definitely in a a, a situation where both in your cuisine and your body work. Some people think it's like I'm trying to get students to be like me. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get you to be you. Mm-hmm. Your tools, your body size, your body weight, your mobility is different. Sometimes even when I teach, I have to change it to like fit it to your body. Mm-hmm. But it's because I'm trying to give the students more tools, more spices, more ingredients, more understanding of the basic chemistry involved to be able to manipulate it to the point where to me, it's like molecular gastronomy. You're starting yeah. to play with like terpenes and flavor molecules and limonene and you know whatever it's like to like get different flavor compounds and stuff. Sure. There's a lot of room for expansion in the massage marketplace, and that's why I'm such a big proponent of people being in private practice because I don't see facilities as promoting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah. have a sort of a fear of you, Eldra, being an individual because like. If people really like you and you leave, how do they replace you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame, though. That's a shame. Because people people can't grow like that. I mean, I guess their businesses will grow, you know, because they're kind of keeping people down. And, you know, they can pay them, you know, a certain wage. And Yeah. There's, there's room in the mass marketplace for massage envy. And I don't say that disparagingly. The challenge is, where are the independent providers providing the services above and beyond? Because the way I always compared it, I almost, almost, if I didn't, if I hadn't gone into body work, I probably would have gone into culinary arts in some form. And I guarantee you, I'd be sitting down, like, reading Harold McGee, talking about molecular gastronomy, and, like, I'd be making weird foams and, like, stuff out of grass I picked in the yard or, you know. Just because I, yeah. I just want to keep pushing the edges, right? Yeah. But what is that in our industry? Mm. What does that look like? And for mm. me, I don't think it's a big deal to work on a mat. I still teach on a table if the students need it. But the students mm. are just like, man, this is weird. This is on a mat. This is, it's like, I don't think it's that weird. This is me. Like, mm-hmm. I eat with a fork and a spoon and a knife because I grew up in the West. But when I have a meal that has chopsticks, I'm like, yay. This is cool. Can I get to practice yeah. using chopsticks again? Challenge yourself a little bit. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting to me because I draw a lot of, if you have long conversations, a lot of parallels between cuisine and body work. And what I kept telling people was I worked in a chiropractor's office and I had my private practice. My private practice, I was unapologetic. Two hours, mat-based, time massage, that's it. Mm-hmm. And over here, it was 30 minutes or an hour on a table. I had to be a brutal mechanic and help people with stuff. And I did. But the difference was I got so much better outcomes from these two-hour sessions. Then I expanded it to three. And when I expanded it to three, massage therapists were like, people won't pay for three hours. I'm like, my bank account and schedule says otherwise. (laughs) Hey, hold on just one second. Okay. So, yeah, I make a lot of comparisons with that sort of artisanal thing. Like... To me, this was a manifestation of insurance billing, and it felt a little bit more like fast food. And I like mm-hmm. fast food. I don't have any problems with Whataburger or In-N-Out or um, P. Terry's or whatever. But what I really wanted to do was a five-course meal with local ingredients that were in season where yeah. I could sit down with a person for two or three hours. I was like, what's this? Yeah. And massage therapists were the ones who started to like, uh, I don't understand. This is... what." Three hours of tissue work is too much. And I'm like, uh, you're assuming that you're only using the tools that you use with your hands and elbow. Mm. I use my feet, my knees, my shins, and like joint mobilizations and long-held compressions with shear. Totally different experience. But it's like somebody in Central Texas, I can't even imagine like, I don't know, 30 years ago. What was it like the first time somebody in Central Texas had sushi? Raw fish? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> like to us now, it's like, well, yeah, it's sushi. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a categorization, that's a whole different set of like flavor profiles and textures. Yeah. It's something it's something that you have to you almost have to force yourself to jump in there. Otherwise you won't know what it's about. Or it will freak you out. Or you just be like, I'm not touching that, you know? Yeah. I agree. Um so were, were your family and friends supportive of your ambition to, to be a business owner? Oh, man. I, I think um, one of the things that happened was, for me, the biggest divide I see with being a small business owner or an entrepreneur and the general public is the, the people who have a job where they go in, they clock in, they get paid for a certain number of hours, they have a hard time understanding, like, entrepreneurs sometimes don't have a day off unless they schedule it. So I remember very distinctly being in my home and it was like one o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night. And my roommate was like, Hey, let's watch this movie. And I was like, why are, why are you bothering me? (laughs) And he's like, are you working? And I'm like, yeah. Like, why wouldn't I be? Yeah. It's like, but Robert, it's like one o'clock on a Saturday. Because to him, he couldn't understand like why why was I doing that? But my goals were so lofty that all of my waking hours became involved in the most interesting and fun project I had ever engaged in. So all of my life became, you know, to yeah. this thing. I think that's the hardest thing for friends, family, loved ones to understand. And over time, I found that my social groupings, my friends, my family, I'm now now divorced as of probably three years, um, changed because I changed so much because of the focus on the business growth that like, for better or worse, I fell into a new group and new social circles with like different goals. Cool. Um, have, has your family or friends uh, been, been clients of your business before? Um, somewhat. I think that working on family and friends is probably some of the most challenging stuff because of like interpersonal dynamics. Uh, mm-hmm. People who find me on my website and I charge $600 a session, the sessions are three hours long and there's nothing available for a week. They interact with me very differently than like my mom. My mom's like, baby, my neck hurts. You work on me. <laughs> it just has a different demeanor. Yeah. Right. Okay, that makes sense. So have you had any mentors along the way? Yeah, over the years. Um, I think the latest and in some ways the greatest has been Walt Fritz. Do you know who Walt is? Awesome. Yeah, Walt Fritz is a, a manual therapist, a personal, not, I'm sorry, per, I was going to say personal trainer. He's a physical therapist. He lives in New York. Um, Walt taught myofascial release under John Barnes for a lot of years. And, and, and I say jokingly that he fought in the modality wars of the early ages of the massage industry because uh, Barnes and some of their folks were like very... I don't know, as, as, as the explanations and pain science started to change, Barnes became, in a weird way, I think, like more religious in a sense about their magical form of bodywork or whatever. And Walt, over time, came out for the science-informed form of manual therapy and myofascial release. So Walt and I connected. We have very different styles. Like I'm, you know wearing like an ACDC t-shirt and tie fisherman pants. And he's like in khakis, bald, nice little spectacles, very prim, you know, kind of proper East Coast gentleman. Um, Mm -hmm. But the body work is very similar. I think in recent years, Walt is the one that I go to if I'm having a problem. If there's something that I bumped into, like I encounter a problem with a client that I'm like, Walt, they're having some pain and I don't understand. Like Walt is usually the person that I'll be very patient with him and contact him to say, hey, can I get some help with this? Um, And in recent years, Walt has been the one that I've gone to uh, just periodically, usually a couple times a year to ask questions of. Okay. Um, And do do y'all usually just talk on the phone or are y'all able to kind of like meet and like in person have have meetings? We've uh, we've done podcasts a couple times, kind of conversations like this. 
And then in addition, I usually just send him like a quick Facebook message if I have a question about something. It's good to have uh, that support system to kind of, you know, you can bounce some stuff off of, or if you have a question, they have that, that knowledge. Yeah. Um, uh, were there any obstacles that you had to deal with while building a clientele? Yeah, there's a lot of marketing and business that I wish I could teach massage therapists, but mostly I find they're not completely interested because a lot of their schooling is fixated on getting them to work for someone else, not necessarily work in private practice. Private practice and running a business, running a business isn't doing massage. It's almost like being an artist. Being an artist and making great food is one thing. A lot of people can do that, but you got to be able to do both. Because if you can do both, then you can really enhance the art and like continue to fuel it because you can buy ingredients and equipment and all the stuff you need. If you can't do that, you wind up in this starving artist uh, situation. So you got to be able to kind of master being able to sell what your 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 art is, basically. Yeah. I, I, in some ways, I, I think when I say that the, the business is more important, what I'm saying is I don't think students have a problem mastering the art form. They don't, have a, they don't have a body work problem. They have a business problem. And when I talk to them about business, they're perpetually sort of confused because, you know, like if I go into a school and give a demonstration, I run around with this and go, don't worry, my God, are you kidding? Are you not on TikTok? What are you doing? What are you doing? You're not on TikTok? Mm. What yeah. are you doing on TikTok? Are you out of your mind? What, what do you think is going on in 2022? Now, school owners freak out about this because mm. they're still teaching the marketing from the yellow pages half the time. The problem is the marketplace is changing very, very rapidly, but the core business skills, I honestly think this, our grandparents were in some ways better business people and they were working in one very specific, like, in-person situation. Mm. Like, even the phone was relatively new to them at points in time. Yeah. So they were used to dealing with one-on-one, -on -one, the person comes into the store. It's interesting to me, because when I talk to students, like, they always talk about word of mouth. This is a common one. They're like, I like word of mouth. And I'm like, this is word of mouth that scales globally. This word of mouth is word of mouth. It's word of mouth. It scales mm -hmm. globally. Still word mm -hmm. of mouth. And they're like, no, but I don't want to, you know, oh, I don't want to make videos. <laughs> you got to do it. Well, yeah. I mean, and you work in food. Why, why did I, when you contacted me, why, I was like, oh, it's him. Oh, this dude makes all the food. Because I, yeah. I admit, like, oh, man, he's making plantain. Dude, the cookies look great. Look at, look at this. And it's like, yeah. I don't know you. I didn't even know when it said El Taco Killer, I think, or whatever. When it, oh, when yeah. it came so you through, mentioned was, earlier that you were working your private practice and at the same time working with the chiropractor. Yeah. Um, was it difficult at times to kind of sustain yourself during this period? Let's put it this way. I, I have a very strong, it's weird. I have a very strong work ethic. I literally worked so much so that it wasn't just doing sessions. Like I had 12 hours a week at the chiropractor's office and then whatever I had in private practice and you try to build up as much as you can without like falling over. But I was spending all my downtime figuring out video production and lighting and I got a light back here and I got a camera here and it's running to my computer and you had to learn how to do all the software and stuff for the first time. It was like I had a website and it was WordPress and whatever. Um, I remember times at the chiropractor's office where someone would cancel and I'd have like an hour gap in between mm -hmm. clients. And I would literally run to the room, lay down on the table and go to sleep after setting my alarm to wake up 10 minutes before the client was ready to come in because I was exhausted. I, yeah. I, I stayed at the chiropractor's office longer than I should have technically. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it was also very important to me because I owned a home at that time that I have the money to be able to maintain the mortgage and our standard of living without having to like, you know, major financial hurdles or issues. 
Understood. Understood. That's one thing I did uh, notice right off the bat when we started to uh, work on clients is that it does take a lot out of you as far as your energy. So it's important to take care of yourself and get enough rest and eat, you know, properly. Because, you know, after a two hour session, you can be pretty winded, you know. And if you have if you have potentially clients back to back, you know, you want to make sure that you, you got your, your head on the swivel, you know. Yeah. There's a certain degree of physical fitness required. And I think what's not looked at as much is if you're a really engaged therapist, you're not just clocking it in. Um, the amount of mental focus that you have on the clients for prolonged periods of time has to find like a balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I- I've noticed that with myself. Um, Sometimes if it if it's a new client and, and it's a certain area of the body that they need special attention on, um, some of it might slip my mind if I'm like off into la la land or like looking at the clock, like I might miss something and I, I'll get to the other side of the body and realize like, oh, I didn't, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. And that's what they came in for, you know. So it is very important to kind of stay locked in on on the person you're working on so that they get taken care of. Um, What aspects of massage do you believe are the most beneficial or popular among clients? When you say aspects, what do you mean? Like... um, like a certain technique or a certain area of the body that people come in for the most, you know, or issue they may be dealing yeah. with. Yeah. So my, my practice over time, I had a, a business hurdle to like get over and like building a private practice. And I remember at one point literally sitting down cause I was a philosophy student, right? And mm-hmm. in philosophy class, you learn how to perform a thought experiment where you mm-hmm. accept certain fundamental things and then you like extrapolate logically from, from that point. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a hard time initially getting people to buy time massage. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, why don't they want time massage? Like, this is, this is better for their pain. Like, this is so much, it's so much better. Like, why? And I'm like, okay, for one, it's Thai. What does that mean? Because mm-hmm. I'm not Thai. Yeah. Like, I grew up in Louisiana, and I can make gumbo. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, but they're like, you're white. And I'm like, yeah, but I grew up in Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can make cornbread. What do you want? <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, there's this thing where I literally looked at it, and I was like, okay, hold on. Don't, don't ascribe, like, good or bad. Don't, don't think about whether it's good or bad. Just, like, think about the differences, And essentially what it was, was I said, okay, this is massage. And this is whatever the hell I'm doing. Let's call it time massage. I was like, massage was basically table, cream, glide, and nudity. And when you went to school, you learned table, cream, glide, and nudity. Mm -hmm. And then I came in and went, no, 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 with this over here, you can remove the table, remove the cream, remove the glide, remove the nudity, and you have a superior Mm -hmm. service for pain relief. Yeah. And everybody went, are you fucking out of your mind? (laughs) Like, that didn't even sound like massage. Right, right. And what it was, was I was like, okay, hold on. So it's not good or bad. It's just, it's just different. It's just like nori and dashi and Japanese ingredients. Like, it's not bad. It's just, it came from a different culture. Like, Mm -hmm. there's different flavor profiles over here. It's not bad. Mm -hmm. It's just from a different culture. And it was like, when I looked at characteristics, I was like, Man, but the people, they want to take their clothes off and, you know, like lay on the table because they've been encultured to like get this massage. And then it was like, how do you like ease the transition, I guess, towards whatever they were were doing? And when I thought about it, I was like, wait a second. Okay, one of the things about this, for better or worse, is the people are clothed. And the fact that the people are clothed means that you can film and photo document everything. Mm-hmm. You can literally film your clients. Mm-hmm. And over time, 
what I did was when I looked at that list, I was like, oh my God, it's been in my face the whole time. Yeah. I was, it's like I had been trying to like, God damn it, I live in Texas and they want barbecue or chili or tacos. And I wanted to serve platanos and like mofongo. Like I want to go Puerto Rican on them, you know, something like I want to serve like Caribbean food or something. And it was yeah. like, I can't get them to transition. So what I did was, is I focused on this and I kept making video and photos and blog posts about this. Mm-hmm. Not comparing it to tacos and comparing it to massage and comparing it to effleurage and comparing it to Swedish. And I'd say, listen, do you want a massage or do you want to get better? Yeah. My name is Robert Gardner. I've worked with 20 years in chronic pain management. If you have upper back or neck pain and you work in the tech industry in Austin, I want you to come see me. I'm almost positive that within a single session, I can help you with the bulk of your pain. Now, when I took that video, and it was 30 seconds, whoop, what did people yeah. think about my work? Because they didn't even really know what they were buying. Does it make sense? You almost mm-hmm. had to show them. Yeah. Like, because I can look at photos of your food and be like, that looked tasty, man. That, I, don't, I, never, I don't have to eat it to know, but it looked like that's tasty. Yeah. What I did was I leaned towards its strengths. I lean towards its natural qualities. And one of the things about it that initially, or again, it was kind of like trying to sell them one thing, but they felt like it was a bait and switch. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I went to see this massage therapist, but then he's trying to do this strange, stretchy thing on me. <laughs> I don't understand why he wants to do this strange, stretchy thing. But when you learned how to package it well, yeah. and then promote it and advertise it and sell it and show it and be better at the video and more video and TikTok and YouTube. You know, my mm-hmm. TikTok, my YouTube channel is coming up on 2,000 videos. Wow. It's like wow. the amount of backlinks that creates and the level of professionalism it demonstrates starts to change people's perspectives. So sure. once you started to get some clients, the clients were like, dude, that I, they would try to tell people what I did. And they're like, it's a massage? And he's like, no, he works on a mat. And they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he would just tell them, listen, if you have back pain, go see, see him. Yeah. yeah. Over time, it wasn't about hitting every style of cuisine and hitting yeah. every customer. It was about niching down to the specific work I wanted to do and the specific clients I wanted to serve. And then everything just continued growing. But in a lot of ways, it continued growing in spite of the mainstream massage community. I posted a meme today on massage entrepreneurs and people are starting to argue about a meme. Really? Do you ever spend time arguing about memes, Eldra? Uh, not, not really. It's not my thing. You don't give a shit either? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's just, it's just so weird because I I try to encourage the therapist to go do their own thing and they're like, no, I do what the clients tell me to do. And I'm like, the clients aren't professionals and they don't even know what massage is. Yeah. They want you to bring your expertise to the table, whatever that may be, you know, because they don't know. They don't. Most people don't have never even gotten a massage before. They just know they're they're in pain. You know? The the the, the practice itself, if you look at it as a big broad practice, mm-hmm. it's much more diverse than what's being sold in eighty to ninety percent of most massage establishments. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, here was the fundamental change. Remember we talked about those characteristics? This is what the table cream glide and nudity. Here was the, mm-hmm. the big thing is I, I went in and pushed the table aside and put down a mat. That was such a fundamental foundational shift that the therapists were like, we don't like this guy. This is not, this is, <laughs> this is anarchy. This is madness. What is this guy doing? And I'm like, yeah. improving your industry so you can make more money and, and work more effectively and save yeah. your hands. And they're like, yeah. no, there's no way this, this is impossible. And I'm like, I'm going to show you in 10,000 videos on my YouTube channel. My <laughs> subscription service has over 800 hours in it. You can subscribe right now for free for your first month and $7 a month after. Like, I'm yeah. not lying. I'm going to keep showing you. I know you don't believe it because you've never seen anybody in your culture do it. But it yeah. is possible. That's, that's, that, that, it, it, it's so dope that, that you had the boss to do that. And it's crazy that people are still so closed-minded about things. It's hearing you explain this about you jumping out there and doing Thai massages is like, 
me looking at anything else out there, you know, somebody trying to be professional and be their own boss and like how people are just, they're bucking at it. They're just like, no, no, that's not it. That's not what we do. But it's just like, what? <laughs> you know, people well, want this. People need this. There's like, do you know much about painting? Because we talked a lot about food. Do you know much about painting? I paint, I paint a little bit. I paint, I like to paint. Because I, I was in, uh, in art class and teachers didn't like me sometimes, including that art teacher. I had her first grade. It was one, it, it first period. That one, don't have me early in the morning. I'm not good in the morning. I didn't drink coffee at that time. And then also, Ooh. like, I was watching a Bob Ross recently. And Bob mm-hmm. Ross used this one specific tile, style called wet on wet. And I was like, what the wet on wet? What's that? And basically mm-hmm. what it was is you'd have, like, one layer of paint and then you add another layer of paint on top. But when you cross them, the fact that it's wet, like, changes the physical structure of the paint so you could make, like, clouds. You could take, mm-hmm. like, a blue background and, and put some white on it, and then you could, like, smear it in a way where it gave it, like, some layering. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that because I'm not a painter, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There are so many different ways to paint, including airbrush, paintbrush, Jackson Pollock, fling and paint, finger painting charcoal like it's just there's so yeah. many different tools but massage therapy as an art form has not completely blossomed yet that's all yeah. like people think it's just me promoting what i do and i'm like no 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 no. okay so let's look at it this way aquatic therapies mm-hmm. where in the united states can you go and get aquatic therapy water-based therapeutic services I don't know. I haven't. And there are no major facilities in the United States who offer it. Because the the marketplace is not expanded. You know, here in Mm -hmm. Austin, I can name maybe one or two Ethiopian restaurants. One, maybe two Jamaican restaurants. A handful of Indian or Vietnamese restaurants. And then depending Mm -hmm. on where you are in the country... There are some food cultures and representations that aren't available at all. That's facts. And that's the same thing with bodywork. Bodywork culture to me is just as complex and diversified from regional variations and cultures, but mm-hmm. there's only a very limited representation in the American marketplace. You'd literally have to dig to find something like, you know, what I'm what I'm practicing. Um, mm-hmm. Kristen, uh, my colleague and uh, apprentice, I work with her. And at one point, Kristen, Kristen got nervous because she was like, oh, there's going to be other people going to do this. and There's going to be competition. And I was like, Kristen, there's two of us in Austin. There's yeah. 1.6 million people here. Yeah. Like 100 people a day move here. Yeah. Like, we can't even. You like, can't dude, touch all those people. No. Like, listen, you can make wonderful cookies. You know as well as I do that once you mass produce, some things have to change. For sure. Because there's only one of you. Mm-hmm. And that was one yeah. thing I had about like food production, by the way. Um, there was something about mass production in a restaurant, or I call mass production, but that I didn't particularly enjoy. Because I wanted to focus on the details of like one specific dish that I was making one at a time. And when mm-hmm. I had to run six burners and a grill, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that 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 and that you know what that's that's crazy that that you mentioned that because that was my next question um about employees um um do you do you currently have uh, employees? No, I I made a very distinct decision, and I'll describe this very quickly. Um, when business started to grow, remember I said I was at the, my private practice and chiropractor's office? Mm-hmm. So as this started to grow and overall income was increasing, I was teaching. And then I was diversifying revenue streams because I had workbooks and DVDs and in-person classes. And we kept like adding online classes and other stuff. Mm-hmm. I had a choice where it's very common in the massage industry to think brick and mortar. And brick and mortar means you open a place. Now I'm training people to do my stuff. They're doing it in the facility, and we scale it out through a brick and mortar facility like a franchise. Mm-hmm. Because it's still primarily me with some apprentices who have their own private practices, 
I made a, a radically life-altering decision. And what I said was, I'll, I'll start the franchise when I can buy the shopping center. And people were like, what? And I was like, well, if you bought a 10-unit shopping center and mm-hmm. you jack up the rent just a little bit on nine of the things, now your facility is free. Mm-hmm. And they were like, what? And I'm like, no, no, no. You're asking me to play a real estate game. Yeah. Did you ever see? Did you ever see the founder? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it is. That that, that yeah. movie. I was like, oh, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on. It wasn't about hamburgers. It was about real uh, estate. Yeah, yeah. So what I decided to do was the other thing is uh, Eldra. Let's say you move to Austin, mm-hmm. and you said, Robert, I love this. I want a job. I would be in the position as a boss of going, give me fifty to sixty percent. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like interacting with you that way. Mm-hmm. I said, Eldra, what if I can show you how to have your own practice where you make $100,000 a year working four days a week mm-hmm. in private practice? Yeah. What if I taught you and I taught you online for $7 a month? Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, that, but that's impossible. And I'm like, you can keep thinking that. Yeah. You can keep thinking that. Yeah. Because... I was the guy who said, you can't teach, this is physical, man. You can't teach this online. Now I'm going, I don't know if I can afford to teach this in person. Yeah. Like, Honestly, th- yeah. this is seven bucks. Yeah, because you you essentially turned it into a business to where when when you're not physically touching anybody, you're still making money off of your instruction. That's smart. It's working smarter, not harder. I'm not saying it's the best choice. It was a choice I made. Mm-hmm. Brick and mortar. Imagine if I'd opened a brick and mortar just before COVID started. Mm-hmm. The difference was because I was focusing on education and not on a brick and mortar facility doing sessions, I could continue focusing on camera work and focusing on digital distribution and focus on teaching online and focus on putting information together better than everybody else and higher quality video than everybody else with edits, with, you know, anatomy on screen, with all this stuff. And I think that Mm -hmm. I've done that. I just don't think it hasn't come to its full fruition just yet. Mm -hmm. The reason I didn't hire staff is because I really don't want to manage massage therapists, you know, make sure that the facility is cleaned and the rent is paid and the electricity's on and Carla didn't show up for her session and I got to do the session now because the client's coming yeah. in. Or um, yeah. I didn't want to manage therapists and I wanted you to keep the money. <clears throat> and I figured out a way in education where I was like, man, I don't see a downside. Like, I, I'm like, I know that the bulk of the industry has gone to this brick and mortar model. But the more I looked at it and, I, and in Austin, I'm in a tech hub. I have a lot of clients in the tech industry because there's a lot mm-hmm. of guys who program and they're working on computers for, you know, eight, 10 hours a day. Mm-hmm. When I talked to clients like them, a lot of them were the ones who were encouraging me. They're like, Robert, listen, I know that people in your industry go to this brick and mortar model but they're like, based on what you're doing in education, they're like, there's no reason you can't scale this globally online. Like, your risk is minimal, but your reward, mm-hmm. if it blows up, is like gargantuan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe that. I believe that because you, you see it in, in all these other industries. Like, people are just jumping out there. And if you have the personality and, and people just gravitate towards you and, and, and you're, you're putting good information out there, I don't see why not. I think I think it's really awesome. Okay, so I, I have two more questions for you. Um, the first one is so so outside of Thai massage, were there any other continuing education classes that you took that um, added to your success as a business owner? Uh, for me personally, and this is the one that's not as expressed within my curriculum just yet. Uh, it was my yoga background, uh, primarily through, at that time, Bikram yoga and then a Yengar yoga. Um, lots of yoga therapy related to like Desikachar's work and then some of the stuff from BKS and Yengar using props. There were lots of, oh man, it's hard to explain, but basically 
yoga was coming in as like an active discipline and massage was coming in as a passive discipline. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, hold on, wait a second. If I take time massage and yoga and they, what happens when they converge? Because mm-hmm. the anatomy and physiology was the same. And then mm-hmm. I watched videos of BKS and Yengar and I'm like, damn it. Oh, God damn it. He, he knew it. That old booger, like the bushy eyebrowed Indian. God damn it. He knew it. Yeah. Because he was doing manual assists. Mm-hmm. And guess what he was doing? He would get him into a pose and go, listen. And even <laughs> if they were on props, because they were, they were weak Americans like me, they couldn't hold mm-hmm. certain positions, so he'd put you on the props so you could mm-hmm. relax into position. Oh, and wake up a part of your body that was like obstructed or not lengthening the way it should or moving the way it should or whatever. So okay. it's a weird sort of like Indian physical therapy in a sense. I think okay. the yoga practice and discipline is the part that I haven't explored as much in my teaching because I'm primarily teaching massage therapists that here's what happens. You teach them and they go, I, once you get to the mat, they're like, I don't understand. And then he's talking about TikTok and video production and <laughs> podcasting. And like, he keeps talking about, oh, software editing and WordPress. And I don't understand. And then he's like, oh, now he's on a mat and like he's using his feet and his legs and he got some suspension. He's t- he keeps talking about teaching online and he just keeps. And once I get to the yoga props, they start to back up and they go, I don't yeah. understand. This is yoga. And I'm like, guys, listen. You can call it whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because it helps the clients. As long as the bills get paid and the business can keep growing, I don't mm-hmm. care. Like, basically, I kept expanding Thai massage, and people kept saying, it's not Thai. And I'm like, good, it's not Thai. Next. <laughs> it's like, you don't make gumbo, and I don't complain that it ain't like the gumbo in Louisiana or the gumbo right. I make. Like, right. I, I'm tired. Like, listen, I yeah. love like Japanese cuisine or Indian cuisine. I make really good, you know, chicken tikka masala and chana masala and alu gobi and a host of other stuff. But mm. I don't expect it to taste like it tastes in India. India, yeah, yeah. It's like I, I grew up in South Louisiana, man. I'm doing the best I can with the ingredients I got. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Big time, yeah, big time. Okay, last one. Uh, how do you balance personal life and work so that uh, you don't burn out? Um, I drink. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the one that I think I have the hardest time with. And like, remember I said that the, the big divide, the biggest divide in humanity to me is entrepreneurs and employees. That, that's bigger than Democrat, Republican, male or female. Yeah. Because people are like, why? Like, so right now we're having this conversation. This is work. I decided to do this as a podcast because I'm like, yeah, I can take clips of this video and put it together in different ways and edit and re-edit and disperse it, put it into YouTube, put it in TikTok, mm-hmm. take it, cut yeah. it, put it in a tic- Instagram story, you know, whatever. For sure. And that's the biggest divide. The, the whole thing about work-life balance, it's been really interesting because a lot of people I talk to feel like my lifestyle is radically unhealthy. They're like, Robert, you, you work too much. Mm-hmm. You're, this is, it's too much. You need to take more personal time. And I'm like, why, why in, in Western culture, in Western, I was a philosophy student, why in Western culture and thinking is there a divide between work and play? Why are these two separate things? Hmm. Is is it? Do you think it's because most people are not entrepreneurs and they're working for somebody else on the clock? Or I think most people just grind it out at a job to get the amount of money they need to be able to support the lifestyle they want, so they can go play on the off days. And I'm like, but if you're working five days a week, 40 hours a week, that, ain't, that don't leave a lot left. No, it's really not. And it's, it is for, it is for a, a moment in time. It's a moment of pleasure and you got to go right back to reality. And everybody's got a choice. Like there are therapists I talk to and they're like, well, Robert, I don't want to work for myself. Great. Don't. Hmm. Like I'm not telling everybody to do it. God forbid everybody do exactly what I do. 
The right. difference is I can't listen to a therapist talk about how much they work at Massage Envy and they hate Massage Envy. So I'm like, quit. And they're like, oh, but I got to make a living. And I'm like, so build your own business. And they're like, oh, but that's hard work. And I go, <laughs> you got to pick your poison. <laughs> oh, and that's it. That's very, 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 very much. And here's the deal. I have a little more of a problem with work-life balance according to the predominant culture. People are like, dude, you, you work too much. But here's what they don't see. Let's say I'm 45. Let's say I continue doing this for another 10 years. What does my business look like in 10 years when I produce on average two videos a day on my YouTube channel? We have more offers, more classes, more retreats, more online classes, more digital distribution, subscription service, scales globally. Um, Starlink is coming and 2 billion people are going to come online. 2 billion more customers, basically, in some Mm -hmm. form or fashion. Mm -hmm. The difference is they're making a trajectory based off of this idea of like working 30 years for a company and their safety and stability and insurance. And then I'm trading this amount of time for this amount of income so I can go on vacation. I have a very different sensibility about like lifestyle and I don't really on my own have any issue with the amount of time that I work when I want time off. I just take it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if like if I'm like, no, I won't. I want time off. But in my head, how often do I take like a day? I'm serious. How often do I take a whole day? And I'll do any business stuff. Probably hard, hardly ever. I personally, I don't remember the last time. If it, even if it was just like answering an email or something. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is, imagine living a lifestyle, if you're a nine to five or watching this, imagine living a lifestyle where if you wanted to, you could wake up at 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some coffee, people, I think that, that would be golden. Have coffee, answer a couple emails. But here's what happened. When I worked completely for myself and the more I entrepreneured, I tailored my schedule to what fit me. Mm-hmm. And I kept tailoring the business to what fit me. And I kept tailoring the professional relationships to three-hour sessions and, like, what fit helping people in chronic pain. And the more I individuated, the more I became special, the more I became different in the marketplace, I was commanding a higher and higher fee and making more and more money. And then you didn't want to compromise back to that 30-minute or hour session at the chiropractor's office. Yeah, because it's not worth your time anymore. And that's where it gets complex because how do you explain that to somebody that just needs to make the money to work at, you know, Massage Envy? Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So work-life balance. I, I think there's a lot of philosophy, a lot of weird thinking that goes into that that's encultured through a sort of capitalist mindset instead of people actually following what their dreams are. Like I love talking to people and say, listen, don't even worry about the money. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. If money was no, what would you do? Mm-hmm. They're like, I want to make pasta. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to get Durham semolina and grind it just such a certain way to make to make the best pasta. And I'm like, you can make a business out of that, especially now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. big time. Yeah, big time, big time. Well, this uh, this interview was uh, definitely an eye opener for me. I got a lot of gems from you, man. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. So I know time is is valuable. Um, and it's really cool getting to know you a little bit because, I, like I said, I've been following you for a while. And uh, I knew I was going to reach out to you specifically for an interview because I was just interested in, in what it is, that you, what you do. Yeah. Um, so um, hopefully soon I can get out there to Austin, man, because I, I definitely want to take take some classes, man. Because um, if you learn via video, start with the subscription. Okay. Yeah. There's okay. literally, you can see every class I've taught since 2017. Okay. And so do you, with, with those classes online, do you recommend like me having someone that I could work on while I'm watching? Is yeah, that generally what people do? Yeah. There's a lot of variables and I pushed education during COVID online more and more. So, okay. so you understand, right now, I can teach group classes through four camera angles online. Oh, wow. Okay. You, oh, okay. You, you can put as many people in a room as you want to work, you, your classmates, whatever. You can teach them online. 
The other thing is, just like we're in Zoom right now, I can take this, but I can run my four camera feed into this. So I can literally watch you work on your wife, show you how to work on my model, talk mm -hmm. to your wife and help you work on her live interactively from four camera angles. So that stuff continues to grow and expand as massage therapists understand that they're freed up and to an online form of education. I'm always mm -hmm. happy to work with people in, in, you know, in, in person. Um, the mm -hmm. challenge is, as things grow, is you realize just how limited in-person classes are. They're way yeah. more expensive to get to. They take up a lot more time. And mm -hmm. my experience so far is a sort of apprenticeship, either in-person or online. I'm seeing more rapid growth from the students from a mm -hmm. regular recurring mentorship and interaction. So I've been using the technology to foster that as much as I can. It really depends on the student and how they learn. Like students sometimes ask me about like workbooks or DVDs and they're like, which would you recommend? I'm like, hold on. How do you learn? Yeah. Like, I don't like to read. I'm like, don't buy the workbooks. I love video. I'm like, oh, get the DVDs and then get inside mm -hmm. the vault. You can watch whatever you want. Mm -hmm. It probably works better to find a section in the vault or the DVD, follow along, you know, video by video, mm -hmm. working on your wife, and then being able to get feedback. It'd probably be the next level would be getting another therapist to work with you and you give and receive on each other, like going over some of the techniques that are listed. I'm also in an ongoing state of like updating curriculum. Okay. All right. Well, I'm definitely going to dive in, man, and uh, get some of that, that continuing education because I'm going to need it because um, I think it's it's important to kind of like broaden yourself, you know what I mean? And don't kind of put yourself in a box with like a singular skill set because um, Swedish massage, I don't think I don't think it's going to be enough for what I'm trying to do. So I am horribly biased. <laughs> <laughs> horribly. Yeah. So good, right, good for tonight. Yeah. Good, cool. good. I really appreciate it. you gave me you gave me more than 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 I thought I would I, I was gonna get, man. This is really dope. Thank you. Cool. Thank you so much. Listen, I'll talk to you again soon. Uh, let me go ahead and slowly uh, shut down the recording. Thank you guys for tuning in the podcast. I really, really appreciate it.